Will you take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 14? John chapter 14. And uh, we're going to take a look at uh, 14. Uh, and we're going to look at verses 15 through 17 and then look at verse 26. The title of the message today, God's Holy Spirit. I want to give you a quick reminder that this is Thanksgiving week and all of our, the school will be closed and all of the offices will be closed on Wednesday. There will be no midweek Bible study or midweek activities on Wednesday. Thursday is Thanksgiving and then <clears throat> next Sunday we'll all gather right back here and I have a message for you a message of thanksgiving, and I hope you will be here for that next Sunday morning. John chapter 14 and verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, <clears throat> for he dwells in you, and will be with you. Now skip down to verse 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Several years ago, the Chicago Tribune ran an article about flying. And there was an amateur pilot by the name of Stephen Hedges who spoke of the difficulty of flying an airplane by instruments and using instruments alone. But it's a necessary skill if you're going to fly an airplane at night or if you're going to fly an airplane under <clears throat> foggy conditions. It's very easy for a pilot to fall into an uncontrolled bank and crash if he doesn't have an instrument rating under those circumstances. And during one lesson, Hedges noted, I flew the headings <clears throat> and turns instructed, but even with 10 hours of instrument flying experience already in my logbook, I was amazed at how quickly the plane slid into a banking turn if I diverted my attention for just a few moments. The first time it happened, a pang of panic shot through me, a momentary fear that made it even more difficult to comprehend <clears throat> what the plane was doing. But when he heard his instructor next to him calmly say, watch your bank, he was able to quickly level the plane. There are times in the Christian life when we feel like we are flying in a fog. There are times when we feel like that it is night and we cannot see the light of, of day. It's hard to get our bearings. It's hard to know what the next step should be. And it's certainly difficult to see the horizon and keep our lives level. Well, in those times, it's more important for us to keep our eyes fixed on God and fixed on His Word and stay attentive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God so that we don't uh, go into an uncontrollable spin in our lives or so that we don't crash. Today, I want us to see how God's Holy Spirit navigates us through the daily vapor of our lives. The Holy Spirit is doing a lot of important things today. He's doing things in our lives all the time. While I'm standing here, the Holy Spirit of God it is, is at work in me. <clears throat> he is at work in you. He is at work around the world. He is always on the job. He restrains the world of sin so that God's purposes are fulfilled. Now you look at this sinful world and you say, 
how does in the world is he straining uh, the world, restraining the world from sin? The world is so sinful. Imagine how bad it would be were there no Holy Spirit present on this earth. And the Holy Spirit's presence on this earth is through <clears throat> your lives, excuse me, <clears throat> through your lives <clears throat> and through mine. He is at work restraining sin in the world. He is also at work fulfilling the purposes for you and for me in our lives. The Holy Spirit comforts us. He teaches us God's Word, and He teaches us how to apply God's Word for our own individual uh, good and welfare. Let me just say this to you, that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and there is one interpretation of Scripture. There is one thing that Scripture means, but there's many applications of Scripture. And it's the Holy Spirit of God who applies the Scripture to your life and to mine. Today, we are looking at the Holy Spirit and how He is vital in every part of our Christian walk. We're going to see three things today. We're going to see that He is the surety of our salvation. He is the change in our lives. And He is the power of to serve God. This is all the Holy Spirit in your life, the surety of your salvation, the change in your life, and the power to serve God. First of all, the surety for our salvation. Now, it's been a couple of weeks now since we've been in this series because we had a a guest with us, Jim Horn from Kenya, Africa. And uh, then after uh, that, my sister passed away, so I was gone. And now we're back together. And the last message that I spoke to you in this past in this series was concerning eternal salvation that is how that our salvation once we receive it is secure for eternity the gift of salvation is certain and sure and sure believers should have a sense of safety an ongoing sense of safety and security there are those who are truly saved but sadly they are insecure in their salvation if you're one of those, there's something that should be understand uh, that you should understand, and hopefully would settle the doubts for you. I want to give you two verses in the book of Ephesians that should make a big difference in all of our understanding concerning salvation. Ephesians chapter one and verse thirteen: In Him you also, when you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Now, if you have a uh, physical Bible and you're underlining it, unline that. If you have a <clears throat> tablet device, highlight those words that you are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. Underline or highlight that as well until <clears throat> we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. Now, there's two key words in this passage, the word sealed and the word guarantee, very important words, words that once you understand them, it will change your understanding of your relationship to God. First of all, the word seal. He is the seal of our redemption. Again, verse 13, in him, you also, when you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promise Holy Spirit. Didn't say sealed by the Holy Spirit said sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. We can think of 
of this seal of the Holy Spirit the way that you might think of a, of a wax seal that was once used to indicate authority or some official business or, or royalty. Even today, governments have official seals. This means this really <clears throat> came from uh, the government that you think sent it to you. In biblical times, the king's seal was placed on decrees. <clears throat> it was placed on documents to show the authenticity of the paper or to enforce the meaning of the decree. Last year, a seal from King Hezekiah was found near the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Now, seal impressions bearing King Hezekiah's name have been known since 1995, but this is the first time that a seal impression of an Israelite king has ever been found in an archaeological excavation. It was exciting. They found the seal of King Hezekiah. If you have say, have been saved, if you are born again, you have found the seal of God. And the seal of God has been placed on your life. The seal of God is the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible says that the seal is on you as it, and is in place for the redemption, for the day of redemption, or to show that you are an official child of God. That is to say, when you come into the presence of God, you will come into the presence of God legitimately. You will actually be a transaction of God's work in your life because you have the seal of the Holy Spirit on your life. Ephesians 4.30 says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. That means the seal of the Holy Spirit the official seal of God, the Holy Spirit has been placed on you for the day of redemption, and you are sealed until you are delivered into the presence of God. The seal is not broken until you are delivered into God's presence. Isn't that a blessing to you? Doesn't that make you feel safe and secure and on your way to heaven forever? If you're saved, you are sealed. Here's the second word. The second word is the word surety. Now, Ephesians 1.14 says that the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance. You know what that means? That means that the Holy Spirit is the surety of your inheritance. Whenever a capital transaction is made, like a purchase of a home, there must be a surety placed at the initiation of the contract so that the the thing being purchased or the house being purchased is held until the completion, the, the, um, until the purchase is completed. That's the surety. That's the earnest money. That's the down payment. Now the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is our down payment, our earnest money, our surety for our salvation. A couple of years ago, I I did something a little scary. I've never done it before. <clears throat> I, <clears throat> I bought a car on eBay. I bought a car on eBay. For, now, some of you, you, that's just like falling off a log for you. But for me, it was kind of a big deal. I bought a car on eBay, and I bought it from a, a car dealer in Pompano Beach. And uh, I, I talked to the salesman, and uh, I, I got the information. And then I called the salesman, talked to him online. And I told him, I said, I'm a little nervous about this. I've never purchased a car on eBay. 
and, and to which he gave me much assurance, he said, our dealerships never sold a car on eBay either. <clears throat> so here we had uh, a guy that had never sold one and a guy that had never bought one, and somehow or another, we were going to do business. And so I asked him, I said, how do I do this? I don't know how to purchase this thing on eBay. Here's what he said to me. He said, well, he said, if you could put up $500 earnest money to hold the car, and he told me how to do that. If you could put up $500 earnest money to hold the car, it will, uh, we will mark it as sold and it will be placed to the side until you get here to pick it up. Now that money was the surety that I would show up in South Florida to get that car. And I did. I did because I didn't want to lose the guarantee that I had placed against the purchase of that car. Now here's what our text says. Our text says that the Holy Spirit of God is the guarantee, the earnest, the security for our salvation. In other words, the Holy Spirit makes sure that our salvation is secure. And just so we're clear on this, let's see what we're inheriting. In John chapter 14 and verse 1, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. The King James Version says many mansions. I like that better, but it means rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Now look, I am saved. I was saved when I was eight years old. The Bible says that I'm going to inherit a place in heaven that is prepared for me. It has been bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. I have not yet seen it and certainly have not yet occupied it. But God has made a security, a surety deposit to assure me that it is mine someday. And that surety for my salvation is the seal of the Holy Spirit of God on my life. That's exactly what the word guarantee in our text is saying about the Holy Spirit of God. It is something of value that is to be held to assure the full completion of the transaction. Now, last Saturday, a week ago, the transaction was complete for Wilma Jean Ray Overton. That's my sister. The transaction was complete. Now, let me tell you, her day of redemption had approached. And she was, uh, at that point, she was redeemed. And the, and the seal, if you will, opened. And she was ushered into the presence of God. If you have been born again, if you have been born again, you, you have received the Holy Spirit that was part of the transaction between you and God. And that is God's deposit on your soul. Really, really important. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Let me just stop right there and say a quick word. This is a sidecar to the message, but it's a sidecar you should understand. Right there it says that we were, by the Spirit, baptized into one body. Now we practice water baptism here at North Florida Baptist Church. 
That does not baptize you into uh, the body of Christ. That is the symbolism and the obedience to God. That is the symbolism of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is the symbolism of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When I got saved at age eight, whatever age that you got saved, if you're not yet saved, when you do get saved, part of the transaction of salvation is that you are baptized by the Holy Spirit into one body, the body of Christ. Now, John chapter 3 and verse 5, Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, that is, born physically and then born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. For the born-again believers, it's the Holy Spirit who is your surety, that being held for the certainty of the completion of your salvation. You and I, us, the saved, the born-again, will go and as the song says, dwell on Zion's hill because the Holy Spirit of God is the earnest of our salvation. We know that we've got salvation to come. We know that we've got heaven to come because there has been a security deposit placed and we have been sealed. Now get this, there is no other place to get this earnest other than by receiving Jesus Christ as Savior. You, you can't say uh, President-elect Donald Trump is a very, very wealthy man. He does not have enough money to, to put down on salvation, to be assured of salvation when he gets into the presence of God. Only the Holy Spirit of God is our earnest. God will not uh, and cannot go back on his word to you and me. And so he has put up himself, his Holy Spirit, as a security deposit on your inheritance. He will not allow the world, the flesh, or the devil, or anything else to repossess his promise. So based on the authority of the Word of God, rooted in the promises of God, you cannot be saved and then lose your salvation. God himself is the security deposit for your eternal, uh, uh, in, in, for your inter- eternal in, inheritance. The Holy Spirit of God is your surety for salvation. Now think about it. If you were to have something purchased and, and uh, somebody bought something from you and you, and you said, all right, this house is going to be sold uh, to, my house is going to be sold to this particular person. Well, how do you know? Well, because God's Holy Spirit signed uh, the papers and put up the earnest money for the purchase. Then you would say, I know that my house is going to be purchased because the Holy Spirit of God guaranteed it. Well, let me tell you something. This old house right here that we live in, this old house is going to be redeemed one day. This old house is going to have a glorified body. Our spirits are going to go to be with the Lord. And this old house will have a glorified body. And do you know how I know? Because the Holy Spirit of God is the earnest money against my salvation. I would like it, and I think God would love it if somebody would say amen right now. Amen. All right, good. Here's the second thing that he is. He is the change in our lives. Ephesians 2.18. For through him... We both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ 
Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Now I want to give you something that might be worth writing down. I don't say things that are often worth writing down, but this might be one of them. You ought to get a hold of it, all right? The Holy Spirit of God makes available what the Father made feasible and Jesus made possible. The Holy Spirit of God makes available what the Father made feasible and Jesus made possible. We could not have eternal life unless the Father had loved us. Unless the Father says, it is feasible that I can love sinful man. It is feasible that I can find a way to bring sinful man to me. It is feasible that I can do that. Now, the Father said it was feasible. And he said, now this is the way that we're going to do it. We, we are going to do it by my son Jesus giving his life for the sins of those who are sinful. We, we could not know our sins were forgiven had Jesus not died for us. And we wouldn't have access to all that God has in store for us unless the Holy Spirit were our access. So the Father made feasible what Jesus made possible and the Spirit made attainable. Very important that we understand the the role of the Holy Spirit in the change in our lives. In this this, uh, passage that that we have read, we are told that the Spirit that we, uh, through the Spirit, we have access to the Father. The change from being a stranger and foreigner to the ways of God to a fellow citizen with the saints. We, through the transformation of the Holy Spirit in our lives, grow into a holy temple in the Lord, a habitation of God. How does that happen? The Spirit of God changes us. Why do some people struggle with this? Why do some people have a hard time understanding that the Holy Spirit of God once in their lives will seal them and bring about the change that's needed to make them a believer, to make them a Christian? Why is it that people have difficulty listening to the Holy Spirit speaking into their lives? Well, I'll tell you the reason for that. It's because that we sometimes restrict the Holy Spirit. We do what we can to keep the Holy Spirit from having full access to our lives. Theologian F.B. Meyer discovered that opening his entire life to the Spirit was the secret to the freedom that he needed to have over sin, which he couldn't have until he did so. After a long battle with some unknown sin, he dealt by his bed and he held out open stretched arms and he said, Lord, here are the keys to my life. Take them and unlock every door. Fill every room. Make me willing, dear Lord, to let you occupy every room and free me from every cherished sin. And once he gave the Spirit complete access to his life, that sin was defeated in his life. Now let me ask you this question. Does the Holy Spirit have the keys to every room of your life? Does the Holy Spirit have the keys? Does does the Holy Spirit have the run of the house in your life? The house that we live in is almost, uh, well, it's about 24 years old, the house that we live in. 
we built that house or had that house built. Aubrey Mayo, who is here today, built that house. I still maintain it's one of the best built houses in Tallahassee. He built that house. There were some features that we put in that house 24 years ago. One of the features is that we have a speaker in every room of the house, a speaker in the ceiling in every room of the house. And we have a, a central uh, entertainment center where that if we choose, we can turn on what we call whole house audio and <clears throat> the whole house can have whatever is playing uh, through the system uh, played in the room. <clears throat> now, here's what I used to do when all of my sons were at home. On Sunday morning, I would turn on whole house audio and I would play music in every room of the house. I would play music and it uh, gently woke them up uh, as any marching band will do. And, <clears throat> and so the, the music played through the house. It got into every room of the house except one. There was one son, his name is Matthew. Matthew would not allow the music of the father to play in his room. Matthew got up on a chair and reached up and he took a control knob and he turned that thing completely off in his room. So everyone else had the presence of the father's music in their room except for Matthew. He had turned the, the music of the father off in his room. Now, do you know something? That's just the way that many people treat the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God has full access to their lives except for the rooms where they don't want Him to be, except for the areas where they have chosen, I'm going to turn this room off to the Holy Spirit of God. I don't want the Holy Spirit making any noise in my life in this room. A.W. Tozer said, though every believer has the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit does not have every believer. The Holy Spirit has a transforming way in our lives, but there's a way that the Holy Spirit does it. He's working in us all the time. He's working in us when we don't even understand. Romans 8, 28 is a verse that, that most of us know. However, we don't realize that during some tragic moments in our lives, the Holy Spirit of God is working in our lives because that's what He does. He changes our lives even during difficult times. If we look at Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to them who love the Lord, to them who are the called according to His purpose. If we look at that verse, <clears throat> we can claim that verse, but a lot of times we don't understand how that works. If you back up and read the text within the context, you see more of it. In Romans 8, 26, it says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Let me just stop right there. Have you ever come to a place and you knew that you needed God's help? You knew you needed something from God, but you didn't know how to pray? You felt like your prayers were inadequate? I feel like my prayers are inadequate all the time. I've never felt like God was impressed with my prayers. There's never been a time when I thought to myself, boy, God, you're going to like this. I just, I have a tendency to pray like a three-year-old. I honestly, I honestly don't know much more to pray than just like a three-year-old. My little Emerson, two and a half years old, she'll, she'll want to pray for something. She'll 
Thank you, Jesus, for the food. Amen. You say, oh, it'll be nice when she can pray something a little better. She'll never pray anything better than that. Because the Holy Spirit knows exactly what she's saying. The Holy Spirit searches out our lives. The Holy Spirit searches out our needs. Some of you are sitting in this room right now and you have a need in your life and you've tried to pray. You don't really know how to pray. I've got good news for you. You've got an expert in praying, praying for you and with you. He's the Holy Spirit of God. Goes on in verse 27 says, and he who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. While the ways of our lives may appear to be taking us in one direction, the intercession of the Spirit is pulling in at every turn toward the will of God. He is literally using every circumstance in our lives to transform us. There are no accidental matters with God. Boy, I was lucky. No, you weren't. The Holy Spirit of God was working in your life. Oh my goodness, that shouldn't have happened. Well, I want you to understand the Holy Spirit of God has been praying all the way through that time. Sometimes we don't understand it, but that sound that's playing in the background of our souls is the Holy Spirit of God praying to the Father to to make this new challenge in our lives usable and transforming in the lives that we are living. And we should not get up in the chair and reach as high as we can and turn off that speaker in our lives. We should give the Holy Spirit of God full access so that he might speak into every aspect of our lives, every part of The blessed Holy Spirit of God is the surety of our salvation. He is the change in our lives, and He is the power to serve God. Ephesians 5.18, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We cannot serve God in power without being filled by the Holy Spirit of God. The Spirit-filled Christian is the one who listens to God and moves at His leading. Adoniram A.J. Gordon was a great theologian of the past, and he told of, of walking and looking across the field at a house. And there was beside the house what looked like a man pumping at one of those old-fashioned wells. But the man was pumping furiously, and he didn't stop. And he was pumping at an unbelievable rate, and he seemed tireless. He could just go and go. And so Judson said, I've got, or Gordon said, I've got to get closer. I've got to see what it is. And it was a remarkable thing, but as he got closer, he saw that it wasn't a man that was pumping the well. It was a wooden figure that was painted to be like a man. And the arm was attached to the handle of the well, and the well was an artesian well. And it wasn't the man pumping the well, it was the well moving the man. That's the way that we move to the Holy Spirit of God. 
It shouldn't be us moving the Spirit. It should be the Spirit moving us. It shouldn't be us forcing the Spirit. It should be the Spirit leading us. We shouldn't put together our plans and then get the Spirit to sign off on it. We should find the leading of the Holy Spirit and follow that leading. I close with some words from the great preacher and writer Chuck Swindoll. He said, by the time I graduated from seminary, I had many convictions and few questions. (laughs) I know that feeling. He said, especially regarding the Holy Spirit. But during a lifetime of ministry that has taken me around the United States and to many countries abroad, I have found that the work of the Holy Spirit continually keeps me off balance. And I'm not alone in that. Those in church leadership seem afraid the Spirit is going to do something that they can't explain. I found that that disturbs folks most, but I'll admit, he said, it energizes me. I've come to realize there are dimensions of the Holy Spirit's ministry I've never tapped and places in the study that I, where I know very little. I'm on a strong learning curve, Swindoll says. I've witnessed a dynamic power in his presence that I long to know more of firsthand. I now have questions and a strong interest in many things of the Spirit that I once felt were settled. To say it plainly, I'm hungry for more of Him. I long to know God more deeply and more intimately. Is that who you are? Did you come to church today because you knew that Pastor Ray was expecting you to be here? And I'm glad you're here. Did you come to church today because it's the thing you do on Sunday? Fewer and fewer people are doing this thing on Sunday. Is that how and why you came to church? I'm glad that you came. Or somehow or another, did you think to yourself, maybe I could find more of who God wants me to be and what God would have me to be? Could I tell you the way to find all that God would have you to be? Be that wooden man at the pump that's attached to the well that's pumping him instead of him pumping the well. Ask God for his Holy Spirit to flow out through you. Ask God to give you opportunities that you wouldn't have were it not for the Holy Spirit uh, pumping into your life and speaking into your life. Ask God to, 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 for this church For the Holy Spirit of God to move this church and this church not try to move the Holy Spirit of God. I know that you've got a a renewed call to pray for God's leadership as another pastor is being being prepared even now to come to this church. Pray not that you'll get what you want, but that the Holy Spirit of God will get what he wants in this church. Pray that this church will not lie dormant and wait for some person to thrill them, but to be actively involved in seeking His will, not only for the life of the church, but for our lives every day. And then, as the transition takes place, know that this is the leadership of the Holy Spirit that brought your pastor here. And it's through the leadership of the Holy Spirit that your church will move forward and do great things for God. The Holy Spirit is vital in the work of God. In fact, I'll say this, the Holy Spirit is the work of God. Let us be led, moved by His Holy Spirit.
would you bow your heads for prayer?